Welcome to the AWP podcast series. This event originally occurred at the AWP conference in Washington, D.C. on Friday, February 4, 2011. The recording features Amy Stoles and John P. I'm, my name is Amy Stoles. I'm the Literature Program Officer with the National Endowment for the Arts. And this is John Peedy, the Director of Literature. We're going to talk today about some of the um, grant opportunities at the NEA and uh, with a focus on some of the changes and um, stuff happening this year with the guidelines and policy and hope that you'll get something out of it. It's kind of a, a different year. This is our hometown, and uh, we. But our phone numbers and our emails are all listed on our website, and uh, we love hearing from you. And particularly if you're a new of an organization that has not applied to the NEA before, um, we like to hear from you so that we can talk to you before you apply. So we're mostly going to spend this session talking about changes the policies and guidelines for organizations. Um, that said, I'm going to start with a on a couple minutes about the um, fellowships, our individual fellowships, and um, start by telling you about the grant opportunities at the NEA. Let me just start by saying we have um, opportunities for both individuals to apply um, for in fellowships and um, opportunities for organizations um, in literature to apply um, through two deadlines that way. So, starting off, I... I'm assuming that most of you know what the National Endowment for the Arts is. Your federal agency that's, um, that supports the arts. Our mission is to support artistic excellence, to bring arts to all Americans, and to provide leadership in arts education. Um, and we are located here in Washington, D.C. Um, we award more than $100 million annually to arts organizations in all 50 states and U.S. territories, reaching rural areas and cities of military bases. We're the largest annual national funder of nonprofit cultural organizations in the United States. This is particularly true for literature. We are the largest funder of nonprofit literature in the country. Um, John, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. We talked about this. We uh, annually roughly just give about two and a half million dollars to literary organizations, um, one and a half million dollars for um, Big Read, um, which is a separate program, and a, and a little over a million dollars to individual prose writers and poets and translators for our fellowships program. Um, you can apply in um, several different disciplines, including dance, design, literature, lo um, local arts, arts, communities, arts education. We're here to talk, obviously, about literature. So I'm going to start um, and spend a couple of minutes talking about the um, fellowships for individuals and some of the, a couple of things to pay attention to if you're an individual who's going to apply to us this year. So, we give out literature fellowships um, in fiction and creative nonfiction, in translation and poetry. Translation is every year, um, although the deadline is passed. The deadline is in January, so the next deadline for, for translation fellowships is next January. The fellowship, the deadline that's coming up is for prose, for fiction and creative nonfiction, and we give out fellowships every other year for prose and poetry. So. The deadline for fiction and creative nonfiction is March 3rd of this year. Poetry is not until March of 2012. We give awards to published writers um, in the areas of poetry, fiction, creative nonfiction, and translation, and they enable recipients to focus on their writing, perform research, travel, generally advance their careers, 
um, with creative writing, they're not attached to a particular project. With translation, they are. Um, the NEA literature fellowships range from uh, 12,500 to 25,000 in translation. In creative writing, they are $25,000 awards. Um, for I, since the deadline for um, this year is for prose, I'll tell you that in eligibility-wise, to be eligible to apply, you have to have either a book or five short stories or essays or the genre that you're applying in, and at least two different places, journals or um, print or online that mostly publish um, in the genre that you're publishing, that they do publish prose. Um, I can go uh, um, say a little bit more about eligibility, but this is all on our website, um, so at arts.gov, arts.gov. So you could look on our website to see, um, and I suggest you do if you want to apply, more about um, our eligibility requirements and uh, to see. If you are eligible and you want to apply, there are a couple things that, that I would um, just say. Apply early. You have to um, apply through a system called grants.gov, and you have to register, and then you have to apply. And sometimes there can be kind of troubleshooting, and uh, you want to allow time for that because you don't want to apply at the last minute, get an email back saying something was wrong for some reason, and you not know this until after the deadline, in which case we can't really help you. So do apply early. Try if you can at least 10 days early. I would... Say so here are a couple of things that we've noticed in prose. I would suggest that you generally don't submit more than two or two pieces. You are allowed to submit a manuscript that is an excerpt from a novel or a short story or two short stories or many short stories. Unless you're doing flash fiction or there's a reason why you're doing different pieces, we find, since we've been through this system, this, this see the panel work, how the panel works, that they often respond better to um, a fuller piece than little excerpts from, if you're going to submit a page or a paragraph or a few pages from here, a few pages from your novel here, and a few pages just because you think that's your best writing, it's not cohesive. We, we in prose, require a 30-page manuscript. So we're just suggesting that if you have a 30-page manuscript from a novel, it doesn't have to be from the beginning. It could be from the middle of your novel. Um, I would do one excerpt. Um, I would also tell us if it's an excerpt from the novel where it's appearing in the novel. Let us know that it's the first chapter or let us know that this is from the middle of the novel or, you know, that's often helpful. We do we made one small adjustment to the guidelines this year, and that is that we ask you to identify the genre. This is an anonymous process. Your name is not anywhere on the manuscripts for a reason, because you're judged blindly and just purely on the artistic excellence and merit of your manuscript. That said, it's helpful to know, we don't want to know who you are um, or your address or any identifying marks, except it's helpful to know what is it that you're submitting. If it's nonfiction, creative nonfiction, let us know it's creative nonfiction. If it's a short story and it's complete within itself, let us know that. Okay? And let us, you know, let us know the genre. The last thing I'll tell you is that you should have evidence readily available um, in terms of your eligibility. When we ask you to apply, we, t we 
we ask you to let us know that you are eligible. So in other words, if you've had five different short stories published in two different journals, we're going to ask you what the title is of the short stories, what journals they've been published in, what was the date. But we, don't, we used to require you to give us actual evidence, actual printouts of the, of the page and the table of contents. We don't do that anymore because it's an online process. But if we can't find your journals or we can't verify what you're saying, we're going to actually call you. And you have to have it ready to send us. So if you're submitting eligibility saying that you've been published in this online journal, but the online journal is defunct now, um, we feel for you, but if you don't have evidence, to show, if you don't have a printout to show us when it was published, and you, you just tell us that it really was published, but it was some time ago, and I can't, I can't tell you because the journal doesn't exist anymore, we, we, that we don't have any evidence. So um, this is always good, for, particularly for online journals, to keep a printout um, for things like this. I, I might stop there. So those are kind of the things that we've been noticing for couple of hints for pros fellowships. I think it's probably easier for us to hear some of your questions. Okay, yes. Uh, the application says something like if you receive fellowship, when do you want the period to begin? How long will the period of funding extend? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're kind of loose about that. We, you can't, um, if you, we work a year ahead. So you apply in March you'll probably hear whether you or not you receive the grant sometime at the end of November. And your grant will technically start January 1st, although sometimes a little bit earlier. Um, it's technically for the year after. So you apply in 2011. It's a technically a, a 2012 grant. So we're assuming that the bulk of the work you're going to do is in 2012. That said, um, sometimes you need to extend the grant. I often tell folks who've received fellowships that... Um, they can ask for the money all at once, or they can, if they need to, receive the $25,000 and extend it over past the January date, because maybe for tax reasons, you pay taxes on it. So maybe for, so if you get that wrong, we're not going to dismiss you or call you ineligible. We'll probably, if you are recommended for a grant, we're going to call you and say, you need to fix this. So, but, but it's for that year. Yeah. The question was, could, could you use, if you had a, a page on the publishers, they vet you so that you have to have a certain thing published and then you get on their website, could you use that to show that you're eligible? And we're saying that we need the originals. Yeah. We love poets and writers, but we need the original stuff. Yes? I'm just in terms of um, selecting a single piece to be excerpted, mm -hmm. Give us a little presses. Give us a little, you know. So okay. If you need I, to, I would say str the question was basically about um, if you're submitting. I think it was about creative nonfiction, but it could be either way. If you're submitting a later chapter, how would that work? Because um, it isn't properly framed. Um, it's going to depend on the individual piece, but I'll say quite often chapter three is your best writing. That's the power of it. And if you just bracketed and you said, Ellen, who you're about to hear of is a seven-year-old girl whose parents, you know, and she's had her grandparents in Wisconsin, her parents died last year, and you bracket that, that's fine. And that moves us on, whereas quite often in the first chapter of a book, you're setting up so much background, and, and you hit page 30, and the panelist is sitting there going, 
well, if they continue that story arc about Ellen the girl, then I like it. But if it's about this grandmother, oh, the dialogue's flat and it's terrible, and they're sitting there and they don't know where it's going. That's why, frankly, a lot of times short fiction or a complete essay or complete memoir chapter works better because at least there's a full story arc and they're not sitting at the table trying to guess you. And we will – if they start guessing, Amy and I will insert ourselves and say you cannot create a conjecture of what might happen. You only go with what they gave you. Um, the only thing I will say when we say to you about – tell us about Ellen, periodically somebody will put you – know, they'll say that and they'll say, and I would use the money to go to Poland to, to really meet that grandmother, and I really need the money. And if you start that stuff, we're throwing the whole page away or we're opaquing it. So don't write a letter to the panelists, okay? It's anonymous, so they can't know that. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yes. Okay, so you you need to think about this sort of as separate pieces. Um, there's what you submit to establish your eligibility. That's the first piece, and that's simply to show us what you've published. And is it the seven seven years, you guys? Seven, in the last seven years, what you've established to publish. The second piece is what you're choosing to submit as a manuscript. It the manuscript does not have to be something you've had published. It should be something you've written in the last, hopefully in the last seven years, but doesn't have to be something that you've just declared, you know, written that you've been eligible. It can be a new piece, it could, or it can be. Um, it should be TypeScript, so we don't know. Um, and then the third piece of this is if you get a grant, what w- do we expect you to be working on? Does it have to be an extenu- extension of that manuscript? No. I mean, we're, at, we're just we're giving you money to write, and if you decide to do something new, that's up to you. Yes. We, we can, but we're going to be quite uh, brief because it's a deadline that is uh, 13 away. months away. And these organizations that we're trying to get to have a deadline in about six weeks. Uh, and the significant changes are to the organization. There are not significant changes to the fellowships in any way. And uh, the only thing I might say specifically about poetry is that there are those who wonder, okay, should I give a couple of free verse, then a sonnet, then show them, should I show them I can do everything, or do I give them 10 pages from a 40-page narrative work? And uh, we tend to come back to saying, do your best. Uh, But as they try to remember you in a field of 1,000 applications, we're funding historically 42 applications, so about 4%, and... Sometimes, yes, it's quite easy to remember an overarching narrative that follows a narrative voice through ten pages of poetry. And sometimes that's two five-page poems, or sometimes it's ten one-page poems. We are not finding that one approach works better than the other, so we do tend to fall back on do-your-best work. Chloe just reminded me to to tell you that either on the applications, two-page application form, we ask you things about, for example, your education and what you would do with the project money if you got it. None of that appears in the judging. The pan- panelists don't see any of that. Yes. It has to be published by the deadline. Yeah. If you had a novel independently published that's won awards, national awards, could you send that eligibility? And could you also the same thing send as your 30 page? What do you mean independently published? We don't accept self-publication as um, 
because we're just a federal government, we have there's some vetting. So um, there has to you have a publisher that's acceptable and eligible. It's not a traditional. There are a lot of non-traditional. All the poets know there are a lot of non-traditional. <laughs> um, it's that a publisher has um, selection criteria. Yeah. Okay. okay. Thank you. All right. I hand you over to the very capable John Petey. We'll talk about literature, and that's where our focus is going to be. I know some of the organizations here are involved in writers in the schools, and uh, I would note there are probably three other areas in the endowment where you might possibly seek funding. One would be arts education, and some of the statements we'll make will very much apply there. Also, artist communities, if you're involved in a residential artist communities, that has in the last two years become a separate category and a very capable uh, director that oversees that. Uh, and also, we'll touch on Challenge America grants, and that is a separate uh, category at the endowment. Uh, but basically, let's go, go over uh, the requirements. I, I want to linger here because I know there are a number of uh, new arts groups. Uh, again, one-to-one -one match to the budget. Um, federal matching rules are quite clear on our, on our uh, website. You can't use other federal dollars or other government dollars to match, but you can certainly use in-kind funds. Notice that, you, of course, you have to be a 501c3. Don't commingle the first and second point here. You could have started an, uh, an organization that has existed for at least three years and run it for profit, uh, out of your house, what have you, and then you file for 501c3. And long as you're a 501c3, at the time that you make the grant, even if those three years of programming were before that, that's fine. Okay. Does that make sense, that, that subtlety? Okay. Uh, next, the uh, review process. One of the most essential things we do is put together panels, panels of your peers. And so if you're in publications, uh, you're going to be reviewed generally by a fiction writer, a poet, uh, a marketing person, uh, increasingly somebody involved in uh, social media or uh, online communications or somebody has an awareness of the digital world. We'll have a layperson, and that mean, that's congressionally mandated. That means somebody doesn't make his or her living in the arts. So they, that might be a lawyer who loves the arts and is a patron of the arts. That might be a general circulation librarian. What that means, though, when that person gets your proposal, if you're talking with a jargon of in the group and you didn't fill out the details because you think your journal is so famous that everybody knows about it, Guess what? That person's going to have a problem with it. And I would hope all the panelists would have a problem with it, and certainly I would have a problem with it. It's, it's about putting on the page what you are, not uh, asking us to, to fill that out. And I might linger there on that moment. Um, I think um, as many as we see, it's wonderful when we see a well-established organization that's existed for decades, and they just pour themselves into that application. They have enthusiasm and drive and and specificity, and they know that we fund projects, not organizations. So it's not about just, yes, the organization gets its money regardless. Um, but on occasion, we do see those who kind of rest back, and they think the NEA knows us. We know them. We all socialize, uh, things like this. We don't have to work so hard. And then they get half of what they're asking for, or they get rejected. And uh, I usually blame it on Amy. Amy blames it on me. But the truth is, you know, they, they dialed it in, and there are consequences. And I'm 
here to say this year in particular, um, some of the changes we're making are going to make those consequences uh, more sharply defined. It won't necessarily mean that you just received ten or 20000 less than you wanted. Um, it may be more likely that you're rejected. Uh, so I don't mean to be gloomy. I, I don't mean to be Eeyore. But, uh, but so, so meet us halfway. Fulfill the, you know, the request. When the panel makes its recommendations for support, um, it's our job to, to review that, affirm that, uh, amend it if, if we believe it needs to be done, and assign the dollar amounts. Then the National Council on the Arts votes. That's a presidentially nominated Senate-confirmed body. And then the chairman of the NEA has to sign off on all recommendations. And again, works are judged on the artistic excellence and merit, and those details are well-defined on the website. Going quickly to the next step, I think this is generally known, the areas we do not fund. Um, I'll make two quick points, uh, particularly about general operating or seasonal support. Sometimes people hear that, and they think that means you can't ask for any administrative calls. You can't ask for stamps, phone, copying paper. It doesn't mean that. What it means is you cannot, if your organization, the entire, everything in, in every single cost you have is $100,000, you can't come to the endowment, ask for 50000 and then match it with 50000 And essentially, if you received your grant, it would have been every bit of expenses, but rather you have a project. And your project, if you're a quarterly journal, your project might be that you want all four issues of the journal supported for artist fees and direct mailing costs, but you're excluding staff salaries. Or it might be that you do salaries, or it might be every single cost related to the special anniversary issue on a topic that means a lot to you. So it is your decision to define the project. Just know that uh, again, that's what we mean by operating costs. Okay, so we'll stop here. This is where the, the changes start to come into place. This should not concern or surprise anyone. This is simply a change in terminology where many of you heard uh, access to artistic excellence. That rather long word is now replaced with the word artworks. And again, the two categories that we had under literature for a number of years still exist. And Challenge America still exists. But as you apply, and let's talk about publishing here, you will talk about which one of these outcomes. And one thing I'll say is in terms of what's behind these changes, uh, the agency has a responsibility uh, to Congress, uh, to the administration, to talk about how these public dollars are being used. And to help assess that information better, we need to say what are the projects and how are they tied to these outcomes? What are the deliverables? What are the, the achievements? And so you will decide which one of these categories fit. Most of you will probably end up under the headings of creation and engagement. But literature has literature-specific uh, examples under all four of these areas. And uh, livability, in particular, has some very precise uh, uh, guidance there. So this is something where you do want to talk uh, to us, particularly uh, Amy Stoll's. So call or email and realize that we're taking hundreds and hundreds of these calls, and it's going to take a little while to get back to you. This is something that really needs to be clear. Everything that was eligible for is still eligible. 
So no need to say, but I used to do this. Well, it's, it's, it's still eligible. Uh, and again, uh, the point two, that is select the outcome that, that works best for you. And uh, if you are a successful applicant, you will be asked in a much different way about providing evidence that you met that outcome. And, and in turn, the agency will be able to provide that to the decision makers that we answer to about the value of, of the endowment and its work. We're going to uh, talk about innovative projects. You heard when the president uh, in the State of the Union address, he talked about uh, the importance of innovation historically to this nation and uh, really had a challenge uh, to us uh, to think in terms of innovation. And innovation is very much um, a, buzz, a buzzword and an essential concept at the endowment. And uh, so it means two things as a practical matter. Uh, innovation is about new forms of art making. That might be new forms of delivery in the case of ebooks, for example. And for consortium projects, so anybody who has historically looked at a consortium project, informally you sometimes call it a second bite of the apple, you partner with some organization, a significant change is that you will not be eligible for a consortium project unless it's an innovation project. We have very precise terms there. So if you were formally a publisher that applied for supporting of the books and marketing of your books, and then your second application, your consortium project, was that you were partnering with four other presses and a public library to have a reading series of independent presses. You will now, to be eligible for that consortium project, you will have to express how it's innovative. And that's your argument to make. Maybe your, your point of innovation is that these are bilingual readings. Uh, maybe it's the fact that you're podcasting. Um, uh, it maybe the it's it's a fact of of uh, the type of of work that's being incorporated. You need to make a case for that. Uh, this is new for us, just like it is for you. I uh, you'll be met with goodwill, um, both from the panelists and the staff. But uh, this is has very specific language, and if you get involved in consortium projects again. Uh, we're not trying to discourage it. We are just trying to ensure that they are innovative projects. Uh, so we're always in, happy to invest in best practices. We can't fund, fund all of the organizations we might want to. And one thing we can do is fund an innovative project that others might emulate. Okay, Challenge America. Uh, let me uh, speak to two things about uh, Challenge America. The deadline is in May. And it is a faster turnaround in terms of hearing if you're accepted or rejected. It, it usually, I believe you would probably hear at the November Council. I know you're thinking only the government would six months uh, be a quick uh, fast track, but, but it is. Um, what is quite useful to us and to you is if you apply for Challenge America, all the grants are $10,000. So you either get the grant or you don't, but there's not the revised budget process and all of, all of those activities. And something I should say about the artworks categories that I just went through, a significant, uh, there are two significant points to make. One is while we are still technically allowing grant requests to be from $5,000 to $150,000, you will see the insertion of a new sentence that says generally 
we will fund from $10,000 to $100,000. We are following that quite strongly, and if you, if you historically ask for $5,000 or $7,500, I strongly encourage you to see if you have a project that is at $10,000 or more. And if you historically have been asking for years for $150,000 and you always get $70,000, um, I can just tell you that now the new guidance is from 10 to 100, and you might uh, want to bring your uh, amount down accordingly. Uh, we also are making a note that for organizations that have an operating budget of $50,000 or less, uh, that they generally um, – might not fare as well in the artworks category, and we're strongly encouraging that you consider applying to Challenge America. It is set up uh, to support um, projects of a smaller size. I'm going to go very quickly to our town, and I'm not going to um, get into a whole lot of detail about this. Um, this is um, a new initiative um, uh, under Chairman Landisman. And our town, these are projects across all the disciplines. And these grants uh, vary in size from 25000 to a quarter of a million dollars. And eligible applicants are county or local governments, as you see, nonprofit organizations. There, are, there is a partnership requirement. If you've been involved in consortium, you're used to the, uh, such partnerships. Uh, but again, in this case, one must be a government entity. I'm going to um, turn it over to Amy Stoles and, and I in just a moment, but I want to say one last point, and it's also one of the more important ones. Uh, I made the point about the ten to a hundred thousand dollars. I also want to say um, that I wouldn't necessarily say that this is absolutely a philosophical change in the endowment. It's something we've, we've struggled with, and it goes back and forth year to year, even within discipline which is when you ask us for funds and we fund you, are we giving you enough to absolutely prosper or are we giving you just enough to survive and complete your activity till the next year? And it is something that Amy and I struggle with. We, on the one hand, we know our stamp of approval means a great deal. We know that if we give even $5,000 that you're associated with this, has meaning to your boards, what have you. Uh, but... Um, but we also know that sometimes that just keeps you surviving. And, uh, and that's not always enough for us to say that all we did was keep literature alive one more year. Um, the philosophy that we're going to apply to our grants uh, is that we're going to more fully fund the requests. So if you historically have asked us for $50,000 – and I'm, these are all hypotheticals. This is not – uh, a, a rule by any means, but if you have historically asked us for fifty thousand dollars and you have always received ten thousand uh, dollars, if I go to put that recommendation forward, I've only given you twenty percent of what you asked for. I will probably be asked by senior staff if I cannot find a way to more fully support it. That might be thirty thousand dollars or forty thousand dollars, or to decline to fund you and to allocate those funds to another group. So uh, that means that 
in applications, the reason a group that asked for $50,000 was getting $10,000, sometimes you had work samples and it just didn't work for the panel. But quite often, if it's a journal, we say, give us your sell-through rates, and some people leave it blank. We say, who's your distributor? And they don't, and they don't say. And then, lo and behold, the panel still believes in your work. They believe in the project, but you end up getting 10000 rather fifty. Well, I'm saying to you that I think leaving ten dollars or $20,000 on the table has always had consequences. But now we're saying that the 10000 lower amount is less likely to happen. Don't misunderstand me to say that we're only funding large projects. That's not the case. Don't believe that we're only funding large organizations. That is not the case. You can come in and ask for 20 and or 10 and get 10 or get 20. Uh, but it is a fact that if we're going to more fully fund the group and I have the same pot to work with that I normally do or I have less, to add $10,000 to 10 groups means $100,000 has to come from somewhere. And you can't presume to know how, you know how to arrange it, but one thing you can control is to really fill out the applications. And it's extraordinary when we ask what's your accessibility and people leave it completely blank. And it does matter to us if people uh, that are differentially abled uh, are able to go to your performances or not. Uh, when we talk about the importance of innovation, uh, we know from experience you have great websites, you're using social media, you're on Facebook, you have eBooks, and it's not in your application. So a lot of what I'm saying to you is just tell us what we know you're doing and you're doing well, okay? Um, I, I couldn't stress that enough about uh, social media, marketing, and engagement. That's, that's essential. So I'm going to leave it at this, and uh, we'll go to the um, changes review. So here I am for the wrap-up. I'm going to review the changes that John just told you about in, in quick bullet form, and then I'm going to go over some helpful reminders since we're telling you to send in a kick-ass application. I'm going to help you do that. Changes. First one is, is don't be afraid. It's just a name change mostly, okay? Those of you who are used to art, uh, access to artistic excellence, it's now in artworks. Um, a lot of that un underneath artworks has, it remains the same. There is a shift in focus from goals to outcome. And John told you about that. I, most, most of you, most of the organizations that come to us in literature will select engagement. Publishers, you're going to probably select engagement. It might seem a little odd given that you see yourself as being creators of art, the books. But if you look at um, our guidelines and you specifically look at what we ask for in your final reports if you get a grant, you'll see that there is an opportunity to show how you've engaged audiences. Um, you, we will ask you for um, the number of people of artists you've engaged in, and then you'll tell us how many the, art, the authors of your books. And then in another place, we'll be asking you um, how many um, people did you reach. That's your print run in, in print. And then we'll, we're going to ask you how many people you reached online, and then you're going to tell us how, you know, through your... There are various opportunities to tell us that. So in, in many ways, publishers create and engage. We're just probably steering you towards engagement. John told you about that innovation is encouraged for all projects. It is required for consortium projects. And this, it is up to you to 
convince us that what you're doing is innovative. Technology is great. It doesn't have to be technology. So just let us know if there's something you haven't done before. Does it sound risky? Does it sound sort of you know, innovative? If you're unsure, give us a call. Um, but you're going to have to make the argument on that. Um, if you try something new and it's innovative, you probably get points for it being innovative. If it, if it ends up failing, it's quite possible okay because you'll learn a lot. That's where the assessment comes in. Um, so that's okay. I mean, you still get points for being innovative. Grants will generally be between 10,000 and 100,000. And John just spoke to that. Organizations with operational budgets less than 50,000 um, you know, should either look towards Challenge America grants um, or call us. You know, it's going to be a bit tougher for those organizations. Projects will be more fully funded and this may result in fewer grants. And to know that outside committees will be scrutinizing the final reports and products for artistic excellence and merit. And that leads to some of the helpful hints I'm going to talk about in terms of assessment. So let's go on to the last slide, which is some of the helpful hints that, you know, th these are reminders for some of you. This is new material for some of you. This is some things that over the years we've seen in mistakes that were made in applications or th over things that were overlooked. You don't want to overlook anything, you know, in these days. So let's start with the budget. I, I kind of put it. I kind of put a lot of stuff in each and tried to um, think about it in different sections of the application. The budget. Don't include unallowable costs in your budget. I mean, in the past, we probably would have just kind of given you a little hand slap and said, if you got a grant, you have to take this out. But I would suggest you do not put it in in the first place. Things like food, entertainment. Um, fundraising, development, all of that is unallowable. Um, it don't, miscellaneous, if you have a line item that says miscellaneous, we have no idea what that is. Don't do that. Tell us. If you have a line item that says a consultant, and you don't explain what consult that, that consultant is doing in your narrative or even in the budget, we just, you, it's going to confuse the panel and it's not going to work in your favor. Tell us that. Double check your math. Double check. We're all writers. You gotta, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've seen additional addition um, mistakes. Double check your math. Okay, the narrative. Speaking to innovation, it is imperative this time around that when you write your application, you tell us about your website, about your social media efforts, and other technologies as applicable. I, it's amazing how, you know, the number of applications I saw last year that didn't talk about the amazing things that the website was doing. And then when I'd call and I'd say, we'd talk about why a grant was rejected, and they'd say, but we're doing all of that. And I'd say, it's not in your application. How would we know that? So do talk about those efforts. Um, don't ask to fund books by board or staff members. We saw this also. Um, we don't allow that, generally speaking. And uh, pay attention to your evaluation and assessment. And this is important to us, per has always been, but in particularly now because we're so focused on outcomes. There's a section in the narrative where we ask you to write about what your plans are for evaluating your project and your assessment. Don't blow it off. Don't give us one sentence. Really tell us what evaluation techniques you're building into your, pro your project so we know that you're going to have some lessons learned here. Okay, there's a section that we ask for called programmatic activities. This is usually we ask for a chart. I suggest you probably do a chart. 
it, it, we ask you to include audience numbers and percentage of capacity. So here, if, if you are a festival or you are a reading series or you're, I'm not necessarily speaking to the publishers here, I'm speaking to the, the presenters that, who are applying in August. Give us audience numbers and give, it, give us as the percentage of capacity in your venue. And that's very helpful. And if you don't have that information, I suggest you start collecting it. Funders want to know this sort of thing. Publishers, include sales figures for your past books. We ask you for a separate page that, that um, on your print runs, your payment to authors policy, and your projected sales figures on the books you're asking us to fund. But in this section on the programmatic activities, we really like to know what your sales figures have been on the books that you're telling us about that you published in the last three years. Make it clear what the figures are. Are they units sold or are they dollar amounts? Tell us in a heading. If they're dollar amounts, tell us whether it's net or gross. It can be very confusing for a panel to try to work this out. And if they don't understand it, or you're not giving us sales figures, and, it's, and, and you're saying that you're doing all this promotion, but we don't have any sales figures to go by, or we don't understand your sales figures, we can't actually assess that you're doing, that the promotion you're doing is working. Um, so brag. As much as you can brag about numbers, do that. Work samples. We see a lot of people sending in, and I'm speaking more probably towards the presenters here and less to the publishers, but we see often for the presenters, for the festivals and reading series and all that, they send in video and audio clips of someone simply reading at a podium. A lot of times that's in the application itself. So somebody's telling me that a, a particular poet is, has read last year, and then they send in a video clip of the person reading at the podium. That that's not enhancing your application. That's a little bit of wasting our time. What a really good clip does, and you don't have to send in a video or audio clip, but if you do, let it enhance your application. So for example, you're telling us about your reading series and you're saying um, it's, we, we focus on diversity. Send us a clip that pans your audience to show that you have a diverse audience coming to your events. You reach out to you telling us that you're getting the numbers. You know, show us show us the audience, show us the venue. You know, things like this are really helpful. Um, maybe or a montage of photos. Maybe you're showing. Maybe it's not that you're going for a wide impact. You're going for a deep impact, and you only have a few people. But you have a a great photo. You know, <laughs> from a read. I mean, that, that's what what works. And you have about a minute. You know, can't send us in, you know, a full two-hour session. When we meet, we're going to put up about a minute or two. Um, if you have questions about this, give us a call, okay? And the last thing I'll say is uh, grants.gov, register early, and keep your DUNS and your CCR numbers current through the whole process, not just when you apply. If you get a grant, they're going to come back to you um, as you do your progress and final reports and make sure that those numbers are current and call us with questions. Questions? Yes. What suggestions do you have in the opposite scenario of a staid literary journal that sits on its laurels for a young literary journal that maybe is copyright online that doesn't have sell-through numbers and things like that, and it has a very small budget? Uh, you mentioned several different options uh, that they perhaps go through. What would the best route be for the smaller organization? Yeah, how small? Or I mean, it's not. Well, 
Well, you have to have at least a one-to-one -one match. So even if you ask for $5,000 and we're kind of encouraging you to ask for $10,000, you are going to have to match with $10,000, so you're going to have to have at least $20,000 for a project. For an innovative pro project, for a consortium project, you couldn't combine your budgets. I mean, there's a lead applicant, and they're going to look at the budget of that lead applicant, and that lead applicant has a partner, um, but it's the budget of that lead applicant. We feel, listen, we feel for you, you, you guys. Let me just say that we give a, a sizable grant to um, the Council of Literary Magazines and Presses. You know, that's really how we're, in one some ways, helping you guys to, you know, yeah. But, and to be clear, we have funded what uh, I think the appropriate term is digital-born journals, and we've been funding them for at least three years, uh, and they're a various size, um, but uh, one thing that they all, the ones that are funded have in common is they're very precise about uh, audience numbers and using, you know, whether it's Google Analytics or another group, uh, and um, you just need to make it a solid case. Yeah, hit, I mean, you know, hits, individual hits. That's another one that people fudge a lot. Yeah. Um, the, we have funded digital magazines under our. Uh, would they would apply in March, just as this pending deadline is? And I expect that they will come in again under this deadline, and it would be under Artworks. Uh, yeah, but you're asking if you're a small organization and it's, it would be hard with a small budget, could yeah, you apply for Challenge America? Look at the guidelines for Challenge America. They are looking specifically for um, grants going out to underserved communities, and certain they have a little bit of different um, language than we have. And sometimes if the journals might not fit under that. But look at our guidelines for Challenge America. There's also a contact. Um, on our website, or call us, and we can. You can potentially apply under Challenge America, but maybe you'd have to see and talk to them. And I, I do. Um, we're being realists, but at the same time, I I don't want there to be this pattern of thinking we're small, so this isn't going to work for us. Um, we're only allowed. We're not allowed to talk about applicants that weren't successful, but it's a matter of public record of those that were successful. So you can look at Radapollux. Uh, they, they do great, innovative, whether it's poetry on the web, uh, online film festival, Radapollux in New York. You certainly see them online. Uh, uh, small grants, if you look at the grant amounts, um, and small requests, um, but innovative uh, in every sense of the meaning, the meaning that the NEA means it with a capital I and just in the way uh, it's meant in the general sense. And uh, they have fared well for a number of years. Uh, Alan. Mm -hmm. I think those are both successes with two different size audiences, and I think that's the case I would expect you to you'd make, right? You would say, here's my author who's well-established, received great reviews, and we expect he or she will reach 10,000 people. And you're also saying, here's, here's an experimental poet from Poland that we're translating, and we believe that 500 readers is the upper limit. 
So if if that's you know if you frankly on this one I just made up on the Polish. Well, the past number, yes, we're asking for your past sales. So in that sense, you're giving us your past sales. Yeah. You know, if you're a university press and you publish 400 titles, talk to us. We, you know, we probably won't make your accountants dig all that up. But you're giving us both. Well, Absolutely. I, I mean, okay, let me, I have two answers for you, Alan. I'm, I'm assuming you're saying you're not giving, you do so many books, you're not giving everything. So you have to choose what you're give, telling us. Right, so what do you choose? I would suggest that if you're coming to us with a mix of books, of experimental and, you know, Give us a mix of, you know, so we can see how you do with your experimental and your, that it just, it should reflect what you're asking us. And, and give, and the second answer to that is tell us, you know, I mean, if you're going to give us in this chart that it's going to be all over the place, that you're going to have 10,500 and are, you think our panel might not recognize the title that only got 500, put in parentheses that this was an experiment, you know, and so any information is going to be helpful, but I think that's, if you're coming to us with an experimental writer and, let us know how you're doing. And we applaud you. Your panels are, are like you. They're going to applaud you for taking the risk. And it's not a failure to have only 500. Right? But, but to be clear, if you publish 15 books, you're putting, you're putting the 15 down. You're not just putting the three that sold over 5,000 copies because that, that looks better. I mean, it is – that's why I say if you're, you know, the huge university presses and if you're reprinting 40 backlists or something, have a conversation with us. But otherwise, you're, you're giving us And your, to date – yeah. Right, you're giving if you're giving us sales figures from a book that was published three years ago, we're assuming that the figure you're giving us is to date and not for that yeah. Yeah. period of time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, trying to parse, you've been very generous about sledging <laughs> um, or moving away from creation toward uh, uh, engagement. And so here I sit, literary press publishing 15 months. Where by far the largest part of the nut is um, printing and publishing and releasing 50 books. On the other hand, we're, we're also moving toward uh, taking hold of front estimate and backlists and turning them into ebooks, doing fun things with our uh, website and so on. Um, that's the creative part, that's the innovative part. I, know, I, I hear what you're saying, I know what to do. But what do I do with the backbone? Do we then exclude that, the publishing costs, the uh, from our no, no, no. All of that is still in there. No, no, no. Okay, so here's, let me explain. There's two different things that I was talking about. When I say that most of you are going to choose engagement and that you both do create, publishers create and engage, but for the purposes of an application, you're going to choose engagement. It's for, it's for the purposes of choosing an outcome so that when you do your reporting after, on your final report afterwards, you're going to tell us more about engagement. When you apply, in a, we fully understand that what you're doing is creating an engagement to that extent. We expect you to have printing, publishing, all the nuts and bolts of, of and you will be judged on the creation of the books that you have, are the past, you're going to give us work samples of your books and, and five-page manuscripts of what you want to publish and the creation of that work. So there's a difference between it's all about, you know, we understand you're creating as part of the application, but as far as reporting and out, you're, we're asking you about the engagement with once the art is out there. Let me touch on one side of that that's related to both some of the changes in existing. Let's say that you, you say engagement, and as you describe what you're going to do, you say, I, we're going to publish these 15 books, and we're going to have a tour of our authors across, you know, the country or what have you. 
And so that when you talk about what you're going to do engagement, you're saying two things, produce books, tour authors. But when we get to the actual budget, the actual budget is only about royalties or artist fees, which might truly be much more in creation. Two things, which is we're only funding what's in the budget. Sometimes somebody has a narrative, and this has nothing to do with the changes. You have a narrative that says we have a writers in school program. We do this, free books to prisons. We do 15 books. But when we get to the budget, it says direct marketing campaign. And the panel has no idea what to do because they love the narrative, but they can only fund what's in the budget. And, again, how does that group that asked for 50 get down to 10 and maybe next year zero? By something like that. So that happens a lot. Maybe your accountants aren't talking to your narrative writers. I don't know. But, but anyway, those things happen and, and should be avoided. Um, can you apply for a Challenge America and artwork? No. No. Okay. Correct. And is there a budget maximum for the uh, $10,000? $10,000 is the grant award. Uh, you have to at least achieve a one-to-one -one match. But I'll say this. I mean, if I was the director of Challenge America and you had a $300,000 project, I would seriously question, as I believe the panel would, how our $10,000 is, is transformative to that. So I'm not saying don't make it over 20000 And a lot of people say, does it help us? Uh, on the grant to put that others are contributing. Absolutely, the panel loves to see that you have this foundation, that foundation, this corporate sponsor. And sometimes to show that, you go far beyond a one-to-one -one match. You go three to one, four to one. But but it's within reason, okay? Um, make sense? Others? You are actually allowed an application under Artworks or Challenge America and Our Town. Anything else? Questions? Yes? Yeah, it's audience development in August, publishing in March are both under Artworks. Artworks used to be access to artistic excellence. Our town is something else. So, so can you still apply under Artworks for the a regular grant plus an application under Artworks for a consortium that's yeah. focused on innovation? Yes. And we won... An uh, important part of the change, and it's very applicant-friendly, is the fact that the arts education, and sometimes it was known to you as arts learning, their deadlines have now been aligned with the core discipline deadlines. So that means that if you did submit to literature, and we looked at it and we thought, that's just not going to fare well with our panel. What they're trying to do would be better over in arts learning. We can transfer it over there. We'll say to you, hey, this is what we want to do. We think it's for your, to your advantage. We presume you'll say, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, but we did not always have that option under the previous alignment uh, of, of deadlines. Other questions? Yes? I have a question about the, the board member and staff publication. Yes. And um, my question just has to do with um, you know, our, our press is thinking about publishing or we're planning to publish an anthology of, of poetry that's by you know, all of our authors, but it's going to be co-edited by a board member and a staff member. Is that something that's considered authored by a, a board or staff member? It. it it is considered that. And while we do not make an absolute prohibition, um, we, we, we make a statement that you know, is generally d discouraged or avoided, and in our experience it can lead to rejection. Um, what I would say to you is if you're going to ask for support for five books um, and that book has 
might have that many consequences, why not ask for support for four books? As well as the administrative cost of paying the salary of the staff members. I mean, I think you have to take the approach that we're trying to seek federal funding for our endeavors. And yes, you have a project. Um, I would not personally add in anything that I thought would work against that goal. Um, but but if you did that, you could ex- try to explain it as much as you could, but um, it is awkward. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the AWP podcast series. For other podcasts, please tune into our website at www.awpwriter.org. 